Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This weekly radio program is brought to you by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We now invite you to stay tuned for our message this morning. Welcome once again, my friends, to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. I'm Elder Joe Nettles, and I welcome you. I also welcome you on behalf of one of my best friends, Elder David Wise. He pastors Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church near Ackerman, Mississippi, at 11 Staten Road, Ackerman. And I have the blessed privilege of pastoring Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church at 40283 Wolf Road, just outside of the wonderful little town of Caledonia, Mississippi. We invite you to come and visit our churches 10.30 a.m. every Sunday morning. We also meet together uh, off-site at the La Quinta Inn Conference Room in Starkville, Mississippi. Very easy to find. There at that conference room, 6 p.m. every Wednesday evening, we worship. And we want you to come and join us. Now, if you can't join us in person, which is our preference, we also can be found on Facebook Live. So if you'll go to the Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church Facebook page, hit like, Activate the notifications, and it will let you know whenever we start our live broadcast of worship, 10.30 a.m. every Sunday morning and 6 p.m. every Wednesday evening. Also go to the website, gospel-of-grace.com. We want you to go there and contact us. Let us know that you're listening. And uh, we certainly would appreciate any questions, inquiries. It's a wonderful site with many resources. We also encourage you to download for either an Apple or uh, a Samsung, or I should say, a Android device, free of charge, the Grace Alone Radio Internet app. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week of primitive Baptist broadcasting of messages, Bible readings, songs, programming. You'll greatly enjoy it. Today we have you a message titled Full Assurance. And right after this wonderful hymn, we'll be right back, Lord willing, with today's message.
Thank you so much for staying tuned with us here at the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. Again, I'm Elder Joe Nettles. And today on Gospel of Grace broadcast, I would like to consider the books of life of the Bible. As I speak with other Christians and read other people's writings regarding Christendom, I find a lot of confusion regarding the Lamb's book of life. What is it? Whose names are in it? How did those names get there? Is there an actual book? And can your name be removed from it? All valid questions. Another point of confusion tends to be that well-meaning folks read about the book of life and automatically believe that what they are reading about is synonymous with the Lamb's book of life. And I hope to clear up some of these questions and difficulties in today's message. First off today, let us look at the object under consideration, a book. Why is a book even created? Well, if you want to express to others the thoughts of your heart and mind, you can express them the best you can with words and then record them for others in a tangible form. A book also serves the purpose of preserving memories. I mean, I love to go through picture albums, old yearbooks from high school. It serves to stir up memories. Some of them good, granted some of them not so good. Another use of books is to save information for posterity. You know this, you have history books or even grandmother's cookbook. So we see that expression of thoughts and emotions, saving those things that are worth remembering, and preserving information for posterity are the basic reasons for the existence of books. Now keep those reasons in mind, please. Speaking of the Lamb's book of life, turn to Revelation chapter 13, verse 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Here we see a reference to the Lamb's book of life, obviously. Now this verse tells us some things. First, this book of life belongs to Jesus Christ, who is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Secondly, as regarding how long it has been in existence, the life of the book is referenced in the same way as the life of the Lamb from the foundation of the world or before this universe even began. In other words, time has no bearing upon the Lamb's book of life. Thirdly, a sign of those whose names are not written within it is that they exercise corrupt and evil, wicked worship. Plainly inferred, then, is that the names written in the book are of those who do the opposite or worship Jesus Christ the Lord. This book apparently has some effect as touching men's souls, right? Obviously. They will certainly not all worship the same way or in the same knowledge. But worship for the Lord who has made himself known in their hearts beats within their hearts, and they feel that longing within. I conclude then that this refers to God's family who will inhabit heaven through the blood of Jesus Christ. Those are the names on that Lamb's book of life. You may well wonder why if this book was written through the Lord's knowledge from before the world began, why does there even need to be a book? I mean, the three necessities that justify books that we went over before don't seem pertinent as pertaining to the Lord, do they? What do I mean by that? Well, consider... If our first use of a book is for expression, why did the tri-personal Lord need a book before the world began? I mean, we know from Scripture that the three in the Godhead communicated with each other as one, as a tri-personal being. 
Notice in Genesis 1, 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. That is expression between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, even before the universe and the world was created. Or notice in Psalms 110, verse 1, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. When already communicating, why write a book, right? Well, if we need books to preserve memories, which was our second use of a book, then God certainly doesn't need a book. He's known all things of all times, even before and after time, forever. Notice in Psalms 147 verse 5, Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. Well, again, our third reason for writing a book is so information can be preserved for posterity, but God's posterity, his family of redeemed men, will live with him in eternity in the glorified knowledge of God Almighty. Or as Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, Now I know in part, but then shall I know even also as I'm known. See, we won't have to read a book in heaven. If all this is so, what sense can be made from the references to the Lamb's book of life? Why does it even exist? Consider, please, that the Word of God speaks of this book for our comfort and understanding, not because of any need by God. God needs nothing. The mention of the book is God's way of using imagery that we as men understand well. The Lord, in using a book to contain the names of his family, gives us insight that his children are an expression of himself, that they are forever in his loving memory, and will be forever preserved. After all, we all know that the most important stuff gets written in a book. I mean, you just can't go and publish a book on any old trash. Typically, it's the best stuff. Well, you are of utmost importance to our God. Don't ever forget that, child of grace. Now, let's return to Revelation and examine another reference to the Lamb's Book of Life found in Revelation 17, verse 8. And I read, The beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition, and they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the Book of Life from the foundation of the world. Again, we see that the book was written before time began and that those not contained in it are evil. However, one thing I'd like you to notice in this verse is that those not in the book were never written in the book. Notice, quote, whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. Now, this is a big deal because so many out there believe that you can lose your place in the book through your disobedience and or unbelief. Their thinking is that your name used to be written there, but because you're so hard-headed and so hard-hearted, the Lord took out his eraser and blotted you out. My friends, that's just not so. This verse tells us that the wicked's names were never there. They had never been written there to be erased. Also, kind listeners, think of it this way. Now, if the Lord wrote the Lamb's Book of Life, and he did, and he never errs, and he doesn't, and it's in glory with the Father right now and has always been there even before the world began, and that's so, then why would he ever need to edit that wonderful book? Are you telling me there's something in heaven that has error in it? I'll tell you no, I won't have that. God doesn't need an eraser regarding the eternal life of his family. 
as we find written in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 15, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, notice this, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Not going to be, not woulda, coulda, shoulda, but the whole family in heaven and earth is already named. And those names are contained in the Lamb's book of life, written from the foundation of the world. What could give you more joy than to know that you have a hope belonging only to those written in the book that could never be touched by addition or eraser? Conversely, what could be more terrifying than to think that the only thing between salvation and damnation in eternity for you are your works here on earth? Well, that's dreadful. I don't care who you are. You see, in Luke chapter 10, the Lord clearly taught that a name written in that book is reason to rejoice, not to worry. I read from Luke 10, verses 19 through 20. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Written in the Lamb's book of life, referenced in Revelations 13.8 and 17.8. That's what he was referring to. Jesus went on in the next two verses to tell us why those names are so secure. Because they belong to him. Luke 10, verses 21 through 22. He went on to say, In that hour Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered to me of my Father. What are the all things delivered unto him of my Father? All the names that are written in heaven that he referenced before. Again, he says, all things are delivered to me of my Father. And no man knoweth who the Son is, but the Father, and who the Father is, but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. You see, the names written in heaven are the ones given to Jesus Christ in covenant by the Father. And Jesus declared that he would lose nothing. And you can go to John chapter 6, verses 38 and 39, and see that declared plainly. He came down to do the will of the Father, and that is to lose nothing, but raise it up again at the last day. Case closed. Notice also that he declared that Quote, all things are to delivered to me of my Father before he spoke of his revelation of knowledge unto them. You see, that is always the way, my friends, as I'm constantly preaching to you here on Gospel of Grace, that faith and gospel belief, they reveal a state of being redeemed, but are not the means of acquiring that redemption. In summary, those names written there are the same referenced in Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 32. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Do you hear the security in those verses, my friends? 
the satisfaction of God's work well done and unfailing. Do you hear it? The names written in the book. Those are the four known folks in our verses from Romans 8. They couldn't lose their place in heaven even if they wanted to. Good news is when you've been born again in the Spirit of God, you don't want to lose it. You want more of it. That, my friends, is the circle that will remain unbroken. Now, let's move on to some other books in the Bible, which are not the Lamb's Book of Life, but oft get confused for it. Some of these verses refer to the word book, while some plainly infer a book by speaking of things being written. So first we'll go to Isaiah chapter 4, verses 2 through 3. In that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and comely for them that are escaped of Israel. And it shall come to pass that he that is left in Zion and he that remaineth in Jerusalem shall be called holy, even everyone that is written among the living in Jerusalem. See, this speaks of the living being written but it refers to special blessings upon those who escaped the captivity of Babylon and will be blessed to see a return to the homeland of Jerusalem where the records of census and the genealogies were compiled, compiled in scrolls or books. While it does prefigure the blessings of those who escaped the captivity of this evil world, having come into the earthly church, it still does not equate with the Lamb's book of life. Let's look at another example. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verses 19 through 20. And it shall come to pass when he heareth the words of this curse, that he bless himself in his heart, saying, I shall have peace, though I walk in the imagination of mine own heart, to add drunkenness to thirst. The Lord will not spare him. But then the anger of the Lord and his jealousy shall smoke against that man. And all the curses that are written in this book shall lie upon him, and the Lord shall blot out his name from under heaven. I'll read it again. And the Lord shall blot out his name from under heaven. This is a warning of temporal judgment, not eternal judgment, upon an errant nation of Israel. Notice the name being blotted out is something that pertains to that, quote, under heaven, not in heaven. The ramifications of this warning was to be blotted out from among those with life, breath, bones, and bread, not out of heaven itself. Another example, Exodus chapter 32, verses 31 through 33. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. Yet now if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. Remember now, a book is used to convey the notion of something precious and important, right? Well, book here is used to point to something indeed written and preserved by God. That is our mortal lives, not our eternal, our mortal lives. Yes, our mortal lives are precious to the Lord and to us. However, as we see throughout Scripture, our mortal lives, again, not our eternal lives, but our mortal lives can be taken from us by God due to our rebellion and impudent sins. These verses teach the same that we saw in the text from Deuteronomy chapter 29. Your mortal life being valuable and precious to God is also expressed by David in Psalm 139. Notice verse 16. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book, all my members were written, 
which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are the thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! You see, God chose to show us how wonderful and precious and copious his thinking and blessings are toward us by referring to a book. Psalms 56, verses 8 through 9. Thou tellest my wanderings. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. Here the Lord wants us to know that our trials and pains in this life are not outside his notice. Our tears of anxiety and pain are so important to our compassionate and interceding God that he expresses that to us by saying that they are written in a book. Psalm 87 verses 5 through 6. And of Zion it shall be said, This and that man was born in her, and the highest himself shall establish her. The Lord shall count, notice this, when he rideth up the people, that this man was born there. Selah. This text expresses the thankfulness of people regarding their homelands. Well, those who counted Zion as their homeland had special cause for rejoicing because those associated with the church, and that's what Zion represents as the church, are manifested to be already born into the family of God. What a blessing! Some take this text to mean that it is the church and the gospel that it advances that causes the blessed people to obtain their place in the Lamb's Book of Life. That just won't do, my friends, because the phrase, notice, the Lord shall count, shall count, when he writeth up the people, obviously refers to action yet to be accomplished and completed. However, as already discussed, the Lamb's Book of Life was written completely from before the world began. Again, no eraser needed. I'd like to wrap this up today with a passage of scripture that's often misapplied. Again, Revelations chapter 22, verses 18 through 19, the very closing remarks of the canon of Holy Scripture. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. Could this dire warning be speaking of the Lamb's book of life? Well, no, it's not. Firstly, isn't it conspicuous that the references to the Lamb's book of life in Revelations 13.8 and 17.8 mention specifically that the book was authored prior to the world's beginning? I mean, the Spirit stressed that point in both of those passages, yet that phrasing is absent here. It's just called the book of life. I posit that this is referring to a book of life containing all the joyful life experiences that can be enjoyed in the New Testament church of Jesus Christ here on earth. This is temporal judgment, not eternal. Again, temporal, not eternal. In addition, it makes perfect sense that the punishment for taking away from the Bible is equitable to the punishment for adding corruptions to the Bible. And that is that God shall add unto him the plagues which are written in this book. Now that is the punishment for adding to the word of God, that he will uh, add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. Well, a plague seems to be applicable here on earth, right? 
It certainly does to me. Likewise, the things and the parts which can be lost from the book of life under consideration are also temporal and not eternal. We can be made to cry just as David was in days of old, return unto me the joy of thy salvation. He didn't lose his eternal life, but he lost the joys of it. And I certainly posit for you that that's what's under consideration here. Listening friends, I pray that this puts your minds at ease in Jesus Christ, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. As always, compare these things taught by the scriptures. And until I'm blessed to speak to you again on such sacred and noble subjects, may you rejoice that your names are written in heaven. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. To find a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find further contact information, you can visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com. You can also find our program on iTunes under podcast entitled The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Radio Broadcast. If you listen and enjoy our program, we would love to hear from you. You may contact us by email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road, on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. We would love for you to come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We invite you to tune in again next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful the of Jesus, keeper than the